You are listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. If you know anything about the history of planes, uh, they were invented in 1903 uh, from the Wright brothers. They invented them, flew the first airplane, and it was recognized as the first sustained and controlled heavier-than-air powered flight. Incredible. One article said it this way. They said, the airplane had meaning for everyone. From popular enthusiasm for the pilots and their aerial exhibitions, to the commercial and military potential of the cultures to mix, which is beautiful, and also very likely has contributed to some of the uncomfortability or injustices we see in the world today. People meeting other people that aren't like them, which is beautiful and fantastic, but we've also seen it not go super well all the time. And this passage we're looking at today, it's about a new direction for the church, a new direction for the church towards diversity, revealing a greater revelation and representation of God's desired kingdom and and his desire for his church. Um, And it all starts with this vision that the Lord gives Peter. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 10 and start reading from there. In respect to God's word, I'm going to ask that we all stand. Acts chapter 10. It says, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open and something like a large, what this meant for the early church. Lord, would you help us see what it means for for us today? Um, Holy Spirit, we invite you here. We recognize you're here, and we ask that you would speak to hearts and minds tonight, or this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, after this vision, beautiful vision, but Peter had no idea what it meant. He was confused. We see afterwards that, you know, while he was wondering about it and trying to figure out what it meant, uh, the Holy Spirit told him to go downstairs into the house because some men were looking for him. And these men were Gentiles, so non-Jewish people, not Christians, And the spirit instructed Peter to go with them. And he was brought to a nearby city to meet this man named Cornelius. And Cornelius and all his family, we see that says in Acts 10, 2, it says that he was devout. He was a God-fearing man. As was everyone in his household, he gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. And then it goes on and explains a little bit more of the story for us. It says, one afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision, he being Cornelius, in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor 
have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. And this is why these men came for Peter. And when Peter arrived in Caesarea to find Cornelius, he found Cornelius and all of Cornelius's friends and relatives. Cornelius was excited. He wanted to hear what the Lord had for him, and he knew Peter was going to be the guy, and he knew that what the Lord was going to say was going to be good. So he didn't just want to keep it to himself. He got all his relatives, all his friends. He was like, we need to hear what this guy has to say. And this would have been a very strange and quite controversial thing to happen. Because in the time, in the Jewish laws, um, a Jews couldn't visit or associate with Gentiles, non-Jewish people. And here Peter, a Jew, was in a room filled with a bunch of Gentiles. And he was there because the Spirit told him to. The Spirit told him to go. God instructed this. And See, throughout the New Testament, we see this all the time. Jesus breaks the laws. He challenges the religious leaders, you know. He, he challenges the religious system. And he does this by performing miracles on the Sabbath. He, he upsets the religious leaders. And why, why did Jesus do that? It's, it's because he was revealing the heart of God. And he was ushering in a new faith system. He was showing that religion would very soon not be about the law, but it would be about faith and relationship. And it's, it's a new era for the church that would come into full effect after the cross. And that's what we see in this book, in Acts. We see this new way of, of church, this new faith system come in. And Jesus yeah, Jesus was showing that, that what, defines, um, what defines religion or faith was, was him. It wasn't the law. And, and it's him who ultimately saves us from the effects of our sin, not a temporary or inadequate system. So through Jesus, we see this all throughout the New Testament. Through Jesus... God was restoring all things and making reconciliation and relationship with him available to all people. And this would be based in his grace and his accomplishment in the, on the cross. It would be in his grace it would, and our faith, not on our actions or on our ancestry like these Jewish people assumed. And this brings us to our first point for this morning, and that is that the heart of God is for all people. God would be accessible to all people. We see that all throughout the book of Acts, that people, um, God would be accessible. And here, Peter stood in front of a bunch of Gentiles, even though it was against the law, because God wanted this. God made this happen. And it even says in verse 28, it says, um, Peter says it, he says, God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. And that's why Peter went to Caesarea without objection. And, and his vision made sense now. He saw that through Jesus, because of Jesus, God made clean 
what the law had called unclean. And Peter's vision was just a foretaste of what was about to happen. And we're going to go into that. See, Peter stood in front of these Gentiles and began to share. He preached the gospel. And let's read it, starting in verse 34. It says, uh, Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. So see, Peter's preaching a message that shows the heart of God. It shows the heart of God, the reality of sin. He preaches Jesus as Lord of all, judge of living in the dead. He shares a great gospel message that is not watered down one bit. It's hard, it's convicting. And see, the audience here, this this message, the way Peter preaches it, is actually kind of unique in the book of Acts. And it's because he had a unique audience. So even though these people were Gentiles, non-Jews, we, see, we saw in the beginning that Cornelius was a God-fearing man. So how does that work? So Cornelius and praying and giving to those in need did not equate to a saving faith. So Cornelius and his family were not saved believers. They prayed, but we see that there was, there was something missing. And this is what was happening. So Cornelius's prior behavior, praying, giving, all of that, it makes him a perfect candidate for salvation, for lack of a better word. If there's a guy who's going to come to faith, it's Cornelius. You know, like, we're all kind of on this spectrum of, like, how close are you to coming to faith? You know, some people, you're like, hey, have you heard of Jesus? And they're like, I'm saved. You know, others are like, have you heard of Jesus? And they're like, who? You know, we're all at different places. And Cornelius and his family, they just needed to hear the gospel, the full thing. Um, And in Peter's message, we see that God shows no favoritism and that in every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. And this phrase, those who fear him and do what is right, it describes 
Cornelius. It describes a person who recognizes their need for the gospel and is willing to receive it. And Cornelius and his family were so close to faith. They were spiritually earnest. They just needed to hear the full gospel to to receive it. They were sincere seekers, but they needed to hear that everyone who believes in Jesus will have their sins forgiven through his name. In Acts 10, 44, a little bit later, we see what happens as Peter is sharing this message with the Gentiles. And this is amazing. This is beautiful. This is the climax of our passages today, and we're going to put it up. It's uh, 1044. It says, even as Peter was saying these things, as he was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. See, the Holy Spirit falls and actually interrupts Peter's message. He's preaching. He's not done talking. But God's like, you said enough. Like, and the Holy Spirit falls. And this is the only time in Scripture that the Spirit comes on a group of people before baptism. And it came on a group of Gentiles outsiders. And see, it was never God's intended world to have outsiders. And let me define that that word outsiders, how I'm using it here. It's people who were rejected, looked down on, people who were different than the Jews, didn't look like them, act like them. They were seen as outsiders. There was a a divisiveness between Jews and Gentiles, and that was never God's intended plan. So through Jesus, we see that everything was being put together again, and God was doing it everywhere among everyone, and that's what we see right here. We see that in the Gospels. We see that Jesus tells his disciples of God's intended plan. We see in the Great Commission, he says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And see, the disciples, his followers, his friends, these guys who ate with him, studied with him, knew him, and and engaged in his mission, he wanted to use them to do it. They were God's chosen witnesses, like Peter had said. And they were crucial to the future of Christianity after Jesus died and was raised. Um, They were crucial to the future of Christianity, and they were carefully chosen. And they were carefully chosen because they spent close time with Jesus, and they shared in his mission. And during this time, Jesus implied that the gospel would reach people of all nations. He says it straight up. It's going to happen. But I don't think the disciples really, like, could comprehend or know exactly what that meant. They didn't know what it would look like. They didn't know how it would happen. And they definitely didn't know the implications of it. And right here, right here in Scripture, we can put um, 1044 up again. Right here, we see Peter have a new realization. 
He sees how this is going to be practiced, and he sees the implications of it. This is big. He just witnessed a group of Gentiles, unsaved people, separated from God, now coming to faith. And as the Gentiles received um, the gospel and, and came to faith, God is the one who displays his full and radical acceptance of them by pouring his spirit out. He seals their faith with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And even they start speaking in tongues and praising God, just like when the Holy Spirit fell on the Jews at Pentecost. This was a Gentile Pentecost. This is Acts 2 happening again. And Peter witnessed this, and in full confidence, he baptized them. We see in Acts 10, 47, it says, then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they've received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And afterwards, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. And see, in that time, um, especially, Baptism uh, was seen, in the church, it was seen as a sign of cleansing of sins, so forgiveness. Also, it was seen as um, an outward accomplishment and sign of being inwardly filled with the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit. And, And it was a sign that you were received into the church into the family of God. And this was the start of a radical new direction for the church. This changed everything. But it came with really strong objection. Like anything revolutionary, like anything radical, it makes people uncomfortable. And we see that in Acts 11.1. It says, soon the news reached the apostles and other believers in Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. You entered the home of Gentiles and even ate with them, they said. See, everything the Jewish people knew to be true about their religion, their law was being challenged and objected. Their laws about relating to Jewish people, their laws about what they could eat, what they could not eat, what was clean, what was unclean, even their laws about circumcision, everything that they were taught from spiritual leaders, society, parents, everything was being challenged in it. And theologian uh, Harvard Harvard Marshall explains it this way. He he says that these verses mark the end of religious particularism. It was God who told Peter not to worry and to go with the Gentiles. And it was God who accepted the Gentiles into his church through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Peter was just following God's lead when he baptized them. He even says in verse uh, 17, it says, um, and since God gave these Gentiles the same gift 
he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I to stand in God's way? The Jewish believers criticized Peter because they were too concerned with the law. They were so concerned with the law that they were missing what God was doing right in front of them. They were missing how God viewed church, what God wanted church to be, and their hearts were not aligned with God's heart. Like I said, things were changing, but change is hard. Change is really hard. As I was thinking about this uh, this week, um, I think it's so easy to look at the Jewish people with such criticism and be like, man, like, of course you should welcome the Gentiles in, um, which, yes, they should. But then I, I started thinking about that, that whole concept again of, like, think of your childhood. Is there anything that your parents taught you that when you grew up, you're like, man, I need to unlearn some things? Things that you were told daily, weekly, things that you now grow up and you're like, I don't know how true that is, or I don't know if I want to live with those ideals, morals, whatever it is. Everything they knew they were being challenged to unlearn. Question what what they were taught, because things were changing. And Peter was very patient with them. He didn't ridicule them. He didn't shame them for being a little slow on God's plan. But he, it says that, you know, when they were criticizing him, he just told him the whole story from the beginning, went through the whole vision, the whole thing, all over again to show them what God was doing. And then by Peter staying and eating with these Gentiles, where it says after they were baptized, it said that he stayed with them. This was just confirmation that the Gentiles were becoming full members of the church. It it just solidified that. It, It shows that circumcision and keeping the law were not necessary requirements for salvation. And this would have been earth-shattering for the Jews, like I said. And it would not have been accepted without heart-searching and the help of the Holy Spirit. So as Peter was met with criticism, like I said, he told the whole story starting from the beginning. And we see in verse eleven fifteen, Peter is near the end of the story now. And he says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as they fell on us at the beginning. Then I thought of the Lord's words when he said, John baptized with water, but you will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave us when we believed in the Lord, who was I to stand in God's way? And then we see the Jews' eventual um, reaction. And it says, when the others heard this, they stopped objecting. And they began praising God. They said, we see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. Or as the message version puts this, it says, I love this. 
it's really happened. God has broken through to other nations and opened them up to life. God's heart has always been the same. We see in Isaiah 56, uh, starting in verse 6, it says, I will also bless the foreigners who can commit themselves to the Lord, who serve him and love his name, who worship him and do not desecrate the Sabbath day of rest and who hold fast to my covenant. I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem and will fill them with joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices because my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. For the sovereign Lord who brings back the outcasts of Israel, says, I will bring others too, besides my people in Israel. See, when Peter was talking to uh, the Jews and trying to explain what was going down, trying to get them, you know, caught up on on God's plan, he used uh, their personal experience. He said, like, guys, can you really question this? Like, you know what happened to us? You know that, that, that like feeling of the Holy Spirit, you know, like speaking in tongues, praising God, that was so real. You cannot deny that. That's undeniable. Well, it happened to them too. And this is where we see that God's heart is for all, all people and God's heart is for diversity. And this was God's direction. Peter was just being used and helping to put it in place. In Galatians 3.28, we see that it says, there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We're all one in Christ Jesus. The heart of God is for diversity. And this passage revealed God's heart and kingdom vision. Because heaven is diverse. And we see that, that God chose his witnesses. He chose his witnesses to go and share because he knew that they would be faithful because they knew Jesus. They spent time with Jesus. They trusted his plan. They were on board with his mission. And now we're seeing the plan play out. So after reading a text like this, after diving into it, um, just as much as we see God's heart is for all people, God's heart is for diversity. That's his kingdom vision. That's his vision and ideal for his church. We also just as much see that God's heart is for mission. Peter brought the good news to these Gentiles. God used another man to bring the news to these people so that they would be accepted into the church so that they would receive the gospel and so that they would be saved. And that's the thing. God wants all people. That's what church is. It's a place for all people, a place for people to receive community, love, acceptance, relationship with God and one another, and to know God and his free gift of forgiveness and salvation from sins in Jesus' name. And it made me think, are there 
if I'm being really honest with myself, if we're all being really honest with ourselves, are there people in your life that you would feel angst about if they came to faith? Or are there people in your life that you were not sharing the good news of Jesus with because of your own bias? This is a message where we can look at it and we can be the Peter in the story. You know, go, be on mission. God has chosen you as his witness. You have the Holy Spirit in you. Go. God wants life for all people, for all nations, and he wants to use you in his plan. That's beautiful. We can also learn something from the Jews. Like, man, maybe I need to check my heart. You know, I think we all always need a good heart check. This Gentile's Pentecost was revolutionary. And it's the reason that you and I have received the privilege of hearing the gospel and experiencing God. And this marked new accessibility to God, one that propels the church on mission. Like I said, it propels you and I on mission because we've witnessed this. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit. We've witnessed this. So now we must go and be witnesses. Like God said, testifying to the joy of a full life with Jesus and preaching the full gospel, not the watered down one, the full one of Jesus Christ as Lord of all, as savior and judge, but good judge loving judge. So we're to go and preach the full gospel to all people, to anyone and everyone. And with that, I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to respond in in a moment with communion. And see, the reason we take communion, the little wafer cracker representing bread and Christ's body given for us, and his blood, the juice, um, Christ's blood shed for us. When we take communion, we both look back at what Jesus has done, and we look back in remembrance, in reverence, in thanksgiving. We also look around. We look at the church around us, God's people, so different, so beautiful all united by the same spirit, and all because of the bread and the juice, the blood and the body of Christ. And as we take it, we look forward towards God's kingdom vision, that it'll be a kingdom of diversity and beauty. And I think heaven is going to be far more extravagant and diverse than any of us understand. Like the disciples didn't quite understand what God's plan would fully be until they saw it before their own eyes. It's going to be like that for us. But until then, we look forward with anticipation. We share the good news to all people because God loves and wants all people. And we take the bread and the juice.
and look at the church that God has gifted us with this morning. So the communion servers can come up. I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that that you paid it all so that we could be close with you and so that we would be um, welcomed and embraced into this church family. Um, Lord, I pray that as we take this bread and this juice, that we would do it with excitement, with reverence and awe and excitement that, Lord, you are still building your church. And this Gentile's Pentecost proved your heart for all people. So, Lord, thank you that your heart is for me. Despite what I do or who I am, your heart is for all of us. And, Lord, we thank you that that is the God that we love, know, and serve. Thank you, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca slash rail city to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the Rail City campus of CA Church.